So we've started a new series. By, by the way, get to give you a heads up, you, I don't know, how many of you noticed, this is a test, pop quiz, that there's only two sections of chairs, not three? How many of you? Like, yeah, so it's only three. Like, isn't that interesting? I'm that way too. Like, you could probably paint these walls pink, and I would come here next week and not notice it. You know, just not how I roll. Uh, but we have two, and one of the reasons we do that, in a little while, we're going to actually speak to each other. Scripture. So we'll, I'll explain it. it. It's not weird, so don't get nervous. Don't have an anxiety attack, please. It's really okay. It'll be very easy. But we started this series called Kingdom Shire. It's really part of a larger kind of theme we've been leaning into since the fall called Redreaming Church. We haven't left that. Uh, This is part of us redreaming church. It's a conversation. It's like we're on our own. I hate to use the Shire analogy, but I have to, Nick. We're on our own Sam and Frodo journey here. And um, we're trying to understand, and then not just understand, but, but walk it out. Who is the church God's calling us to be? Let's look at that in fresh ways. Let's be with that for a season, for a while. And let's ask the Spirit to guide that journey and not just get infatuated with our own ideas. Um, you know, one thing I've, I've realized is we've kind of been in this space for five or six months now is it takes patience. Like in kind, like in kind to maybe a 40-day season of Lent. It, it, it takes, like, reflection and staying with things. It takes alertness, listening for the voice of God's leadership, to meditating on His Word. Uh, it's not just a matter of let's look for some ways to fix what might have been broken, but let's, let's be with one another in listening, seeking postures. It takes resiliency, too. Uh, it takes resiliency because some things, uh, like some Sundays, like you've been here when there's, you walk in and there's like five people sitting in here when you arrive. I mean, what's your internal response when that happens? There's, it's, for me, it just feels a little bit like desolation. Like, where is everyone? And it takes resiliency to kind of work through that and say, no, we are a people of God. Uh, in this moment, it feels a little bit bare. It feels a bit thin. But so we, I think it's okay for us to say we all experience that uh, from time to time. Kingdom Shire. Uh, the, the important part is, I, if you weren't here last week, the, the real meat in the, is not the title. The title is just the title. It's in the taglines. Uh, those, those are the things we lean into. Following Jesus. Becoming more fully aware that there's a calling not just to follow Jesus, but into his body, called into community. And then understanding ourselves and beginning to walk out together. What does it mean to be a sent people? Because you can't follow Jesus without understanding why he came. And when you start understanding why he came, you realize that's asking something from me and from us. Last week at the end of the service, we we began praying just for that. If you remember, if you were here, we spent some time praying like, how does God want us to love the city? 
And uh, we, we know individually we live in families and neighborhoods and workspaces and places. And we never want to reduce um, the gravitas of that in our lives, that we have an opportunity to represent Christ, to be his ambassador, to bear witness to him in those places. And because that's where we do live most of our lives. But we're also seeking, so we want to pray in those ways, in those circles, with one another, for the people that we work with. But we're also asking, how can we collectively love our city? And so we're kind of transitioning from like, let's just go do some cool service projects, to know how can we be the body of Christ to a people. Uh, Maybe it's this neighborhood. We're praying around that. We're going to pray a little bit more later. Kingdom Shire, don't miss the subtitles. I think what the subtitles say to me is we don't come to church demanding that it do something for me. We don't come to church as consumers asking what it can give us. We don't come to church because it's convenient. I think for most of you it's not. Um, If we're coming in that posture, that's okay. Jesus welcomes us when we come that way, but just don't expect him to leave you that way. That's not his vision for your life. We will miss what it means to follow Jesus. We will miss the church. Over the last few years, so many people, their faith has like been upended, and they're now having to sort some things out. And I can't speak for, for anyone, but, but as you read and look kind of collectively, you see the effect of people disappointed that church didn't give them what they wanted and in some ways that's a legitimate thing that we need to hear but there's also a sense is like we're that's not why we're here to give you we hope you do receive it would be our vision and our hope and longing that you do but if we're going to gain the heart of jesus it's not going to be convenient and it's not going to be not costly to us if we have that mindset we're, we're completely let me say it more clearly we're missing the gospel we're missing it altogether. so we've started this kingdom shire series with a with a reflection on identity we kind of introduced that last week our identity as followers of jesus so let me pose a question to you maybe pop quiz jordan uh not you don't have to answer it you're just a teacher so i thought you know, you're familiar with that language, pretty familiar with it. Pop quiz. Why is identity so important? Why, why am I making much of it? Talk, talk to me, a couple of you. Your, your own words. You don't have to remember how I said it last week. I don't care about that. Why is it so important, this issue of identity, our identity? You know, the opening question was designed to warm you up a little bit for that. Who did you want to be when you were young? Who did you want, who did you pretend to be or hope to become? Yeah, thanks, Christy. Yeah, it gives you a sense of purpose. There's mission in the identity. Good. Uh,
Yeah, that's good. You orient your life around that identity in many ways. Oh, that's good. Yeah, it, it, it even, and maybe I'm going a step further than what you said, Christy, but it, it by its nature gives us a belonging, a place of belonging. Yeah, good. Identity is fundamentally who you are, who we are. Um, and that's so important because while who we are and what we do aren't exactly the same things. You know, they're, they're apples and oranges, but they're still fruit. Uh, they're inseparable. You live out of who you are, whether you're always conscious of it, and most of the time we're not. You're not making a decision and stopping and going, oh, wait a minute now, who, who am I? I mean, you probably do that sometimes, but life moves so fast you're not really processing that way all the time. They're not the same things, but they are inseparable. And so we have to tend to our identity as followers of Jesus. Why? Because we live in two worlds. And we live in this amazing, wonder-filled world called Kingdom of God that, that brings to us its own culture, its own values. And there happen to be the ones we've been looking for all our lives. Sometimes resisting also all our lives. But we also live in the world which has its own culture and its own set of values and things that are championed and models that are propped up. Those of y'all who have kids, you, you, you have to fight that the whole way through with your kids. There's, there's models and images that say, be this. So identity is so important that we're nurturing who we are as children of God, as followers of Jesus, because that's how we're going to live. It's that simple. What you're nurturing is what's going to come out. Jesus used the analogy of good trees and bad trees. That's how he said it. He said, good tree, trees, you get good fruit. It's a really complicated analogy. Got bad fruit, it came from a bad tree. So what's Jesus doing? He's getting at the root. He's saying that tree has to be nurtured. It has to be healthy in particular ways in order to produce the results that's wanted. I think it was one of his most significant analogies. Good fruit, bad fruit. Because Jesus isn't after just changing our behavior. You know, he's, he's not here to give you a code to keep you in line so you can like s step in line and check with what you're supposed to, how you're supposed to behave. He's not, he's not here, you, here to give you, to help you like vote the right way. Uh, he's not here to just, so you can think exactly right about all the issues. He cares about those things, don't get me wrong, but he wants to get to the root of your life. He wants to get to the roots of your life. He wants to address those. Why? Because he wants flourishing in those places. He wants abundance. And he knows if that's happening, if that inner work of transformation is happening in our lives, 
then he knows the thinking on the issues and the voting and, and the anger in your life and the lust in your life and, and the, uh, the things that, you know, like are ticks hanging on you. He knows the good tree will know what to do with those in, in their time. And they don't happen overnight, usually for most of us. He wants to do a personal work in each of us, a deep work. He wants to speak to and address those issues in your life that you've not told anybody yet, or that you know is down there simmering, and you don't know what to do with it. You think, boy, if I shared that, that would really be painful or embarrassing or whatever. He want, that's where he wants to live in those places. He wants to talk to us about those things. He wants to bring life, not to embarrass you or shame you, but to bring you life in those places. He wants good trees. If we're his orchard, he wants good trees. He wants to bring life to your everydayness, to the hard part. Some of you are parenting little preschoolers right now and just getting your rear end kicked on a daily basis. And they're just handing it to you. You know, your three-year-old's just handing you your rear end every morning. He wants to meet you there. Yep. If you're in a job that's boring the snot out of you, and you're just doing the same thing every day, he wants to meet you there and bring life there. He died for nothing less than this. He didn't die so one day, someday, you'd go to heaven. No, he died to bring heaven in your one day, someday now. And get acclimated to that place. He want, one of his favorite terms was kingdom righteousness. He wants to give goodness, just another word for goodness, into your life. He wants to impart that to you. One of the things Jesus knows, too, is that you can't make this happen on your own. You cannot make a good tree out of yourself. You cannot give yourself a healthy identity. You cannot. None of us can't. Travis can't and Taylor can't. And if it looks like they are, trust me, they're not. None of us can. He knows that. He knows the only way you can get that is if it's given. And the only way you can get it is by receiving it. I came that you might have life, he said, and you might have it abundantly. So this, that puts us in a very interesting spot because we're, we, 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 have, we feel this compulsion to like want to walk out this life, life and, and be faithful and do good things, but we're also in a very passive place. We're like dependent children that have to receive. He has life for you, and all you can really do is take it. <laughs> This is Jesus' gospel. This is his gospel. This is his vision for your life, that you become this healthy, thriving, fruit-bearing tree in your version of it. He doesn't want it to look like his version. He didn't, he didn't need you to go become a Jewish carpenter. Uh, he, you, can, you can still even like the Broncos, Gavin. He, he's okay with that, Right? He, he wants you to find flourishing in those wonderful things that you already find life in. But he wants to bring a quality of life that we can't imagine. That's good news. And it's so beyond our reach.
unless we receive it. So before we transition, just have the simple question, have you? Have you received it? That's the only way you can have it, is to receive it. Have you trusted your life in the hands of God? Have you placed yourself in Him? Have you received forgiveness? Have you received His washing clean of your life? Not so you have to go to the bad place when you die. That's important too. But right here and now, have you received heaven? That's his gospel. See, Jesus knew, even when he was teaching, he noticed that there was this group of people that when they saw things like joy and peace and this goodness in him, that when they valued things like loving loyalty, those kinds of righteousness, good fruit, and, they, and he would see either they're, they're longing for that or they're already like beginning to put that into practice in their life. He knew those were the people that would receive him. The people with the hunger and the thirst for it. Those are the ones he addresses when he says, blessed are you who are meek and mournful and lowly and poor in spirit, hungering and thirsting for righteousness. I came for you, that's what he says. Boy, if that's you, your ship just came in. It's loaded up with cargo for you. That was his gospel. Regardless of where they came from, regardless of their past, regardless of what they had done, and trust me, there were some people who had done some pretty horrible things that were in that camp. They had done those horrible things, but there was the longing. There was the longing. There was the awareness. I can't make this happen. Don't get faked out. And Jesus says, this is yours for the taking. My life is for you. So those people who were receiving this righteousness from him, they were receiving his forgiveness. They were becoming his disciple. That's the gospel. That's their response. I'm, I'm going to follow you. These folks had new identities. They were taking on new identities. And here's something else he also knew. He knew these poor, meek, humble, lowly people, hungry and thirsty, needed each other. They were going to have to do this thing together. If they tried to build this like just me and you, God, he knew that was not going to go well for them. So these little shires start popping up all over the place. Jesus also knew that the identities of these people who were coming to him were radically out of sync with the surrounding culture, whether it was the culture of the world or the culture of the dominant religion. He knew they were going to struggle living in either of, or both of those places. He offered a different way, and it was the way of the good tree. He also knew 
that people who were trying to make their identity for them by what they produced or what they earned or who they knew or who knew them or what people thought about them, he knew they could not carry that burden. They couldn't. Those who were trying to find their identity out of pleasure, he knew they couldn't carry that burden. That was too, they can't handle that much pleasure. He knew if they were just chasing what looked good to them, whether it's a house or a team or whatever, he knew they could not carry that burden. Why? Because they were creatures. They were creatures. He was their creator. He was able to carry the burden of their identities. And he did so. He carried the burden of their identities, the fallen, corrupted selves that they were. He went to a cross and he said, I got it. I mean, gosh, think about that. The biblical poet reflects in Psalm 14, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. Writer saying, that's a foolish, foolish person. Why? Because it's a creature saying, there is no creator. And you're left to bear the weight that only a creator can bear as a creature. You can't do it. It will hand you your rear end eventually. But the identity that Jesus is giving, we experience and discover it's sustainable. It gets us through the hard times. It gets us through the storms of life. Because we are creator, creations, creatures, and we have a creator that carries us. He makes us in those times. He undergirds us. He supports us. He strengthens us. He's our soul maker. And in Jesus, he becomes our soul remaker. Restorer. He makes us new. We receive this new identity. And when people with these new identities get together, living out of these identities, struggling to live out of those new identities, that's us. But these people made new get together, then this beautiful kingdom shire starts taking shape. And we're just focused on that. We're going to live out of who we are in Jesus, and we're going to keep our eyes on Him. And all the other stuff may be important, but that's not going to be our focus. We're going to keep it on Jesus. Then that shire is not only beautiful, but then that shire can begin offering itself as a gift to the world. That's where we're at. How can we be a gift? Because we have already received a gift. So this, this week, uh, I looked at some text in Scripture. I, I specific, you're going to think I'm crazy, but here's what I did. I did a word search on two phrases in the Bible. One was, you are. <laughs> this was really dumb. Like, how many times in the big old Bible is the two words you are going to pop up? Trust me, a lot. That's how many times. And then I did, we are. And uh, I, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. And, I think I did read every you are scripture. I didn't read all the we are. Like I said, I got to stop. But what I was trying to get at was like, specifically, not just the casual, we, you know, we're going to you know, Jerusalem, but like, where is it that it says you are this, 
or we are this, right? In a, in a being kind of way, our identity. So I did that, and um, out of that, I'm going to invite you to do an exercise with me. I chose a handful of those. These are really simple, and they're, yeah, there are some of you already picked up. If you don't have one of these handouts near you, you want to grab it. There's not necessarily one for every person, or close to one for every person, but as long as you have eyes on one, this will work. So here's what we're going to do. This is really simple. You're one side of the room. If you notice, the scripture's in black and orange, right? You see that? For, for now, don't pay attention much to the blue and the green. That, those are more for in a minute. Uh, so this group on my left, over here, this is the black group, the black font group. This is the or- You guys are orange over here. Okay, so what we're going to do in a minute is let you guys read to one another the scripture so what you're doing is one group is telling the other this is who you are this is who you are and so they're going to read a verse you'll notice they're pretty short Um, after one is read we're just going to be still for a few moments so don't like if if they start orange group don't just start reading back Let's just be with it so we can be with it. And then I may even, I'm a preacher. I'm going to have to make a comment or two here and there as we go. So I'll cue each side, or I'll just go, go or whatever. It's time to read the next one. Does that make sense? So if, let's stand and sort of face each other. You don't, if you're uncomfortable, like locking eyes, you know, with, with somebody, you don't have to do that. Uh, that's okay. It can, if you've not done this kind of thing, it can feel a little bit awkward. Uh, the first few times you do it, but that's okay. It'd be awkward. Uh, that's part of uh, the inconvenience of being in church. So um, you guys can, t- what's the first one? Is it Second Corinthians something? Okay, okay. Well, let's start with that one. Okay, you guys ready? What we are is plain to God. Let's do that again, because I didn't really say go, did I? I just said, are you ready? You were very observant and waiting for my do it again please what we are is plain to God yep, not yet that's how you get ready to read Deb not yet. see Debbie and I've done this together where you immediately read back so be with that for a minute just that little phrase so identity in the kingdom shire as we're trying to you know work together just to be the little kingdom shire God has for us we mustn't Forget who we are. We have to be cognizant of that. Otherwise, we have a world culture that's going to say to us, you don't matter. Or we have an enemy he's going to say to us, look, just look at yourself. Look at all the screw-ups you have in your life. You can't possibly be these things. And we have our own, own issues in us that say, yeah, I know. I'm not worth much. I don't, maybe I don't belong here. This is foundational. That's why we're starting here. If, if this gets fractured, who we are in Jesus, then we have to start playing church. 
We have to start making it up. We, we have to start looking to other things, methods or, or, or big experiences or a buzz or whatever to make it work. And uh, we don't want that. I don't want that. I don't think you do either. So let me pray. Then, Will, you close us out in worship. I think we made the announcements we needed to. Will, Ryan did them early.